0: Welcome back to the Read Scripture podcast. I've got so many things I want to say, so much that I'm excited about. But this morning, when I was reading Psalm 90, this morning's reading, uh, the Psalm for today was Psalm 90, and it was just so powerful. I thought, let me just start off just reading this verse by verse all the way through. So, man, just close your eyes, meditate on this, (laughs) unless you're driving. Uh, but it, it, it's just, uh, these are the very words of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Reading that psalm this morning, I decided I just wanted to share it with everyone. So powerful. We just we can so easily forget who we're talking about. And even this week, I have the impossible task of summarizing Matthew chapters one through twenty um, in about twenty minutes. So I, I'm just realizing more and more. I can't do that. I mean, you have to realize these are the very words of Jesus that we're going to look at. And this morning I was trying to think, is there anything more precious on this earth? I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I I, I don't believe I am right now. Is there anything on this earth more precious, of more value than the very words of Jesus? These are the words that the Son of God, the Creator spoke from his lips when he became flesh I mean straight from him and so in a lot of ways I'm realizing it would be wrong for me to try to summarize all of these chapters and all of these words that's why I really hope that you are reading along with us Remember the point of this podcast, the point of read scripture is we want people all around the world alone, not needing a podcast, not needing anything else. I mean, this is just my encouragement to you to get alone with the word of God, that you would just be quiet before him and just read for yourself. Because there's so much false teaching out there, too. There are so many people and so many cults that have started by someone taking a verse here or a verse there and piecing a whole theology around it. And I'm seeing people get caught up in this by some uh, scholar who says, oh, we found this verb here. And what it really means is this, 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 this. And, And what I'm saying is, just read the Bible, Man, don't trust these guys. I could take a verse right now. I could take a verb in the Greek right now and build a whole theology around it and fool a lot of people. It's not that hard. But for those of us who read the word of God through over and over again, we, we, we recognize, okay, there's there are things that are not very obscure They're not like these little details. They're things that Jesus repeats over and over again. And they were the same messages that were emphasized all through the Old Testament. And if you could just get a flow for the reading of Scripture and see the common themes and see the things that are repeated over and over again, then when these people come and they can quote their two or three verses out of context, you'll see it. And you go, gosh, that's not... What I see in God—that's not what I see in the flow of Scripture. And so, please, 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 read with us every day. Open up the Word of God. We've made it as easy as we can even think to make. In fact, this week we launched a new app. Um, if you go to the iTunes Store, the Read Scripture app. So every day just comes up. It's beautifully made, and it just—it even gives you an overview of of the books of the Bible and the and the most simple and uh, creative way we could come up with. Uh, Why? Because we want people alone in the presence of God with his word so we stop believing the lies out there. So please, I hope you're reading along because there's no way on earth that I can summarize what we read this last week. Um, in a few minutes, but there were some recurring themes that I, I just wanted to bring out three three things in particular, and we're just going to kind of flow through this that I, I saw Jesus repeating a lot. And there's plenty more, and and hopefully, as you read the scriptures, you you'll see some of these things, and you'll discover other things that I don't see, um, but are clearly there. And just pray that God keeps opening your eyes to the most obvious things of Scripture, because it's so so. Beautiful. And like I said, I can't think of anything more precious, more sacred than the very words of Jesus. But I guess what jumped out to me this, this year as I was reading through Matthew was this element of faith. That was kind of, I mean, I, of course I knew it was in there, but I, I just saw it over and over this last week. The idea of just truly, truly believing um, In what jesus is able to do through us and what he's able to do through our prayers Uh, but you see it in chapter 8 uh where he says in in verse 10 uh this this is the the story of the centurion who says hey my servant is lying paralyzed he's suffering and and the the servant just just says to jesus you know Hey, you, you can go. You can do this. You don't even have to come to my place. Like, I know your power. And Jesus says in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I, I love that, that phrase because Jesus marveled? Like, like everyone was always marveling at him. Like, oh my gosh, look what he just did! He raised the dead. He healed a paralyzed person. You know, it's it, he's walking on water. It was terrifying. Everyone was marveling at his works. But here, he act Jesus actually marvels when he hears the faith of the centurion, and he goes, "Wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel." And uh, and and it's a theme you see over and over because, like in chapter two. Uh, I'm sorry, in chapter 9, verse 2, it says, Behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. In uh, verse 28 of that same chapter, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. Again, it's it's Jesus going, gosh, look at that faith. You know what? I'm going to heal you. In chapter 13, in uh, verse 58, this is really interesting um, because he's talking about being in Nazareth. And in, in verse 58, he says, he did not do many mighty works there. Because of their unbelief. So, again, that theme here, he marvels at someone's faith. He goes, Hey, do you believe I can do this? Yep, then I'm going to heal you. He looks at people's faith and he says, Because of this faith, I'm going to heal you. But then he gets to Nazareth and it says, Because they didn't believe because of their unbelief, he couldn't do many miracles there. And then it continues on in that theme. in, in uh, chapter 14, you have uh, Jesus walking on water, and he calls Peter out to him. And remember, when Peter starts looking at the wind, he gets afraid. He begins to sink, cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus' word was, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Um, chapter 15, verse 28, he says to the Canaanite woman, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Um, try to look around for more. Chapter seventeen. Chapter seventeen, verse verse uh, starting in verse sixteen. Uh, the guy was saying, "Hey, I brought brought my." Um, My son, who is an epileptic, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And it says in verse 17, Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Then in verse 20, he says to his disciples, because of your little faith, truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I bring this up because, okay, I grew up in a tradition um, that just really didn't emphasize miracles, didn't emphasize the supernatural... Um, It was a constant warning of be careful, you know, and and I get it. I I understand, like, there are abuses of uh, people sometimes, you know, uh, claiming miracles and this or that. But we also can't deny that in Scripture there is this theme of belief. And when we believe these great things happen and when we don't believe, we're not going to expect to see great things and, and here even he's looking at his disciples and saying, no, you couldn't do it because you didn't have the faith. And, and, and then he uses those words, oh, faithless and twisted generation. Faithless and twisted generation. That's exactly the generation we live in. Everything's twisted. We, 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 we kind of mock the idea of faith. Oh, you're just going to get on your knees and pray to God? Well, that's what the whole story of the Bible is about people who believed and we weren't twisted we didn't just look at the concrete what's in front of us but we recognize there's something much bigger going on and that God actually sees everything and is capable of anything and she is saying look if you had this kind of faith the things you could be doing the things you ought to be doing because of your unbelief you're not seeing these things and so Man, I hope you saw that theme in the scriptures this week, and I hope you're looking at your own life going, gosh, Lord, is there more in store for me? Because this is this is how it hits me. I'm just thinking, oh, wait, God, there's more, there's more. I'm just scratching the surface. There's so much more to this. Give me greater faith, give me greater faith, give me greater faith. I don't want to be a part of this twisted generation that only believes in what they can see in front of them and work and work and work with my hands. Um, and not really getting on my knees and not really walking around with a confidence knowing that God sees everything that I do and he is capable of anything through me. I mean, I'm going to kind of jump to another theme um, that I saw again all through the book of of Matthew. And and you saw it even when we were uh, reading Psalm 90 this morning. But the second theme I I see that uh, just jumped out at me was the reality of judgment um jesus really did not mince words uh i i you know i'm a dad and i think about with my kids how you know i motivate them by by just telling them all the great things that could happen and sometimes even reward them for obedience but i also have warnings for them and uh and and then you see jesus doing the same thing like look hey if you don't follow if you decide to go against my commands there's there's some serious consequences here, and I know it's not popular to talk about this in this day and age. But how in the world can you read the Book of Matthew and say that that Jesus was not a God of punishment, that Jesus was just all hugs and kisses? Um, some of the words that he uses, uh, you, you know, even when John the Baptist is describing him in uh, in Matthew chapter three, uh, you see in verse. 12 um well verse 11 he says i baptize you with water for repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than i whose sandals i'm not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire and then when you look at uh the very words of Jesus, like you, you see in chapter seven, uh, you know, there's a frightening passage of, of just saying that there are those that he'll say in verse 23. I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He describes a judgment day coming, where there will be some who he doesn't know, and he's just going to say to them, depart from me you worker of lawlessness. And uh, then he gets very descript. Um, In chapter 10, verse 28, he says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Uh, You see in chapter 11, verse 20, when he began to denounce the cities, Uh, This passage, uh, this is the one that frightened me the most, I think, this year. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 20. He began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. See, Jesus did these miracles in these cities, and he says, look, other people didn't get the benefit of seeing these miracles. He goes, in fact, if the people in Sodom saw what you guys saw, they would have repented. So he says, hey, this day of judgment, it's gonna be harder for you. When it comes time to judge, Based upon what you've seen, based upon what you've experienced, judgment's gonna be worse. It's the same thing that Paul says in Romans 2 when he says, The kindness of the Lord should lead you to repentance, but because of your unrepented heart, your stubbornness, your unrepented heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself. You get that when God shows you more kindness, when he gives you more opportunities, when you get to see more and experience more, judgment is going to be worse for you. That's a scary thought. I mean, some of you listening to this, I mean, just just the fact that you get to hear someone explaining the word of God to you. Some of you grew up in churches or or had Christian parents or you saw people who really walked with God and you experienced Him. You knew it was real and still you walked away. Some of you maybe even experienced miracles. You might have been brought back from the dead yourself in, in, in some manner, you might have escaped death in some crazy way and you knew it was God, and yet you still walk away. The Bible says there's a, there's a more serious judgment. and I don't understand what that all means. I'm just reading the verses and going, gosh, it seems like the more you're shown, the more you're accountable for and the more you can be judged for. Uh, again, in chapter 13, starting in verse 40, Uh, Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He talks about the harvest being the end of the age and the reapers being angels. And in verse 40, he goes, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Then in verse 49, he says, So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, You see in chapter 18, um, starting in verse, uh, where is that, chapter 18, starting in verse eight, you have, uh, when Jesus says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Um, Again, later in that chapter, verse 34, In his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, that until he should pay all his debts, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your your brother from your heart. Just read it. Just read it. I know there are myriads of people who are explaining away these passages and saying, well, you know, I mean, we, you know, I think that fire refers to, uh, you know, this, this, garbage dump you guys first of all there were, there's no record of any thought of that being a garbage dump until 1600 years after the time of christ okay there's no proof of that this again it's just people taking a word and go well you know actually gnashing of teeth could mean like uh Come on, just read the past. How do you read all of these passages? That's why I'm saying, just read it. How do you read it all and go, well, I don't think Jesus really meant that. I don't think he really meant that. I don't think he really meant that. And explain everything, everything, everything away. I'm just saying, gosh, my 10-year-old can read this and be terrified by it. Um, it's obvious. What is the obvious thing Jesus is saying is, look, if you don't follow me, if you choose to go the path of the world and all these other things that that seem so entertaining to you, your life is going to be over in a second, and it's just not worth it. Um, but I, I just just to to me to read this and then to deny future judgment—that's just crazy. I mean, the only way you can come to that conclusion is if you come in with a presupposition. Um, anyone just reading the scriptures will go, "Wow, Jesus was pretty serious." about this day of judgment. And then then the last theme, and maybe most important, I mean, how do you really gauge? Uh, The thing that I see Jesus' message over and over again was he's telling people to follow him. Uh, You can't just, this whole idea of, well, let me just pray a prayer and ask Jesus into my heart and we're good. You just don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Jesus was calling people to repent. I mean, those were the first words of John the Baptist, right? You see in Matthew 3, verse 2, what was John the Baptist preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That idea of repent is to turn. Um, in, In verse 8, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You don't just keep living your life in one way and add Jesus to it. No, the idea of following Jesus is the idea of repentance. That means to turn. It means to do a 180. You used to do this, and now you're turning. And and that's what John is saying. Hey, look, stop living the way you're living. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And so then when Jesus comes onto the scene, I mean, the first thing you see him saying in chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It, it's the same thing that Peter said on the day of Pentecost when the church was born, that, that, that first sermon, repent, repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So this idea of saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I just haven't chosen to repent yet. I I, I just, you know, I just kind of added Jesus to my life. I prayed the prayer It's just, oh gosh, that... I don't see that in the theme of scripture. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's a little frightening. Um, when you look at the passages and what they say, like in chapter 7, verse 20, says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And again, these are the words of Jesus. So put this above mind. put this above whatever teachers you're listening to, put it, put it above any thought that comes out of your brain or your heart. He says in, in 7, chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And you just continue reading and he talks about those who build on the the rock versus the sand. I mean, over and over again, who is really Following me. That's what he said to those disciples. You know, when he says, hey, repent. And then he says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me today. Where am I leading you? You don't just keep going. I remember someone telling me early on, they said, it's just like when you see Jesus on the side of the road, you don't pop the trunk and say, get in so I can pull you out when I need you. You don't open the back door and say, hey, get in the back seat. You don't even put them in the passenger seat. You give them the keys and say, look here, you take me. I I want to follow you. That is the teaching of the scripture is a repentance, a turning. I'm not following my own desires. I used to be dead following my own desires, but now I've seen something better. Jesus, you're better than me. Your ways are better than mine. Your thoughts are so much higher than mine. I want to turn, and I want to follow you. He says in chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 34, he says, "'Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household.'" Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his own cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you see it. Jesus is saying, Look, this is difficult. Following me is crazy, but if you're going to try to hold on to your life and hold on to all of your friends, even all of your family, he says, you can't be one of my disciples. Heavy, heavy words in chapter, uh, chapter 16, starting verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'll just stop there. Look, this is not just about reading a bunch of verses and checking something off a list. I just don't know if there's anything I could talk about that's more important. Jesus was clearly warning people of a future judgment and saying, Look, I can save you from all of that. Follow me. Turn from however, whatever it is that you think is so wonderful, whatever his name is, whatever her name is, whatever pleasure it brings to you. He goes, I promise you that pleasure is not going to last. Turn from it and turn to me, follow me. There's a future for you. And that's where the faith comes in. He goes, gosh, if you have this faith, the things that you can do, the life you could have on this earth, the blessing that's going to come to you in the future. That was in today's reading when Peter was like, oh, but I gave up this, I gave up this, I gave up this. He goes, man, I'm going to give you so much more than that. I will give you so much more than whatever you sacrificed on this earth. Those were the words of Jesus. Look at your life right now. I know that the enemy's so so clever, and he throws things out there that every bit of our flesh is just striving for, like, I want it, I want it, I gotta have it, and Jesus says, no, I'm so much better, turn from that, come to me, believe in me, and if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you're gonna see amazing things, and that's the adventure we're on. Man, I I hope you've been uh, diligent in your scriptures, and reading them over and over again, and getting time alone with God to just purify your mind from all the bad teaching you receive during the week, all the messages the world throws out at you. That's why we're saying every day, get alone with the word of God. What did Jesus really say? It's not that complicated. Don't let people lie to you. Don't let Satan pull you away. It's not going to be worth it.